0: Today's episode is sponsored by Alliance Leisure, the UK's leading leisure development specialist. Over the last 30 years, Alliance has worked with numerous local authorities to design and develop community sustainable leisure environments that encourage active lives, promote community cohesion, and tackle health inequalities. With a diverse portfolio of more than 220 leisure developments, ranging from single site projects to multi million pound complete leisure portfolio transformations. Alliance Leisure services can be procured through the UK Leisure Framework. The framework is open to all public sector organisations in the UK. For more information, visit allianceleisure.co.uk. Hello, and welcome to the truth about local government. Since COVID, we've had a significant amount of change. The way we live, the way we work, the way we enjoy spending time with each other has completely shifted. But that's also created an opportunity an opportunity for collaboration, an opportunity to revisit how we can better do things to provide a better outcome. Today, I'm delighted to have Rosie Pearson, the Corporate Director at Local Partnerships LLP, to talk to us about collaboration, where we are at the moment, the opportunities that exist between local authorities, and fundamentally, how together we can collaborate more to achieve greater outcomes. But without further ado, Rosie, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks, Matt. Lovely to, uh, lovely to be here and, and um, great to have the opportunity to uh, discuss the issues more in more depth.
0: Amazing. And honestly, for those listening, Rosie has the patience of a saint. We've tried recording this three times and technology has been up against us. So thank you for persevering with me, Rosie. I do appreciate it. Um, no
1: worries. Let's cue the Internet going down now. But anyway, let's keep going.
0: <laughs> so where are we at the moment in terms of collaboration in local government?
1: I think, as you said, just in that brief introduction there, I think actually there's been significant change and the way in which everybody had to work differently, and we still are, let's be honest, we're remote um, doing this today, the way that everybody had to work differently during the pandemic identified lessons that could be learned, identified efficiencies that could be developed. and looked at organizations, looked at local government, you know, local authorities, looking at other providers, other um, agencies to work with more collaboratively. Now that could be through um, taking a look now at what st- um, infrastructure we need. What do we need to actually deliver our services, um, bearing in mind changes and working patterns, and actually across the sector, what do we need? It could be looking at how we deliver those services as in physically on the ground. Projects that were traditionally outsourced, people are looking at it and going, well, hang on a second, who are we outsourcing to? Do we want to develop more of a um, local resource, develop the um, the resources, the capability um, within our local area, within regions, um, rather than necessarily going to the historic way of we've always done things this way, this is how we will always do them. I think it's given us the opportunity to really rethink and rebalance and um, make the most of what's the, the time to consider what's actually needed rather than we'll just continue, we'll just extend. That said, there's always the continued pressure of the fiscal environment. There will never be enough money um, in the public sector to deliver everything we want to deliver. So there's always that ongoing um, frustration, that ongoing balance, that ongoing um, dilemma of what do we want to do as opposed to what can we do and then, based on what can we do, how can we do it most efficiently, most effectively, to have um, the greatest impact um, across uh, across the sector? I've seen certainly, I suppose, and and the way in which we interact with people is different. You know, we can do more remote remote meetings, remote working. I've seen much more collaboration across um, authorities working on a peer to peer level. So, as you know from the conversations we've had, my background is private finance initiative. Um, I'm a PFI um, finance and, and commercial specialist. And there's a lot of those projects around. A lot of those projects are key points of their, their contract for major infrastructure. And actually, um, a lot of local authorities are responsible for managing projects for new for, for schools, for um, obvious facilities, highways, waste, etc. And there's much more collaboration in terms of Council officers meeting up together, discussing issues, discussing how have we got through this problem? How can we get through this next stage of our contract? Um, how can we improve things? How can we look at the flexibility that we need? Um, how can we incorporate other stakeholders into the contracts and things? And I think that's given a real, it's, it's given a real insight to projects, it's given a real opportunity, but it's also um, developing changes in the way that people work and actually enhancing the sector.
0: It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned there about not looking to the past as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about that a lot off air. I do feel now that there's been a, a liberation because pre-COVID, I think that sometimes we're limiting beliefs around how things had to be done. And now there is literally a case of, right, okay, well, we need to be creative. What can we do? Who are yeah. the organisations that we can partner with? But with that collaboration, how do you balance collaboration? And I guess I don't know how to phrase this, but just ensuring that it's a sensible route forward how do you balance try that balance?
1: I, I suppose this is, this is where um, an organisation like Local Partnerships, which is where I work, comes into its own actually because um, for those that don't know, um, cue the Local, local partnerships plug. Um, local Partnerships is an in-house um, public sector consultancy and we are all about delivering value and efficiency um, for the public purse. So actually it's about looking at what is the best option why is that the best option for any project, any um, service, you know, it's a cross sector, but actually ensuring that the groundings are there. The, to some extent, um, the mm. basic principles are there, as in, are you making the decision based on um, justified um Options, you know you're, you're doing an appropriate business case you know it's it's appropriate for the type of project that you're looking at have you got the contract management in place have you got the governance in place are you looking at the right partners are you just looking at um people you've gone to in the past for example rather than looking you know taking the the market um wider and looking at how the market's changed and how deliveries changed how um A way in which a service has been delivered in the past may not be how it's being delivered now. So um, how much information do you have um, to be able to really get the best outcome? Because ultimately, we want to be able to deliver the best services that we can across the public sector. And we know that, you know, nine times out of 10, that's a massive juggling act because there aren't the resources there. Either the the financial resources or those physical resources, the people looking after the project, the people procuring the project. they are constrained, they are, you know, um, working um, across significant portfolios, they are time constrained, they are resource constrained. Um, and they're looking for the best solutions within those those constraints in that environment.
0: It's interesting, I was at an event yesterday with Localis and we were talking about what's next for the sector uh, and whether the sector is meant to be about place shaping or is it meant to be care orientated. Um, And but the kind of the key message I just said there is the kind of the fiscal pressure that it continues to, um, you know, to kind of be the 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 boot on the neck of local government is is increasing ever more, and so there is an absolute need for collaboration. But how do you harness collaboration? And and uh, you know how can how can uh, local authorities harness collaboration for the future, Rosie?
1: So certainly reaching out and not being afraid to reach out. So one of the things that I've certainly noticed over the last few years is there's much less of the looking internally and much more of actually, I want to reach out to my peers. I want to reach out to people within other um, authorities, within other sectors that are dealing with the same issues that I'm dealing with um, so that I can have those conversations. So actually it's learning within the sector. There's also obviously learning from other um, stakeholders that could be the third sector, it could be the private sector, and I think obviously it depends on um, the area in local government you're working in. Um, One of the things that is quite frustrating is you tend to hear a lot more about the bad news stories than the good news stories, so actually it tends to be a lot easier to find out information about where something's gone wrong rather than finding out information as in I've got a specific project, how can I find out What's worked elsewhere and how I can um, how I can take those lessons into my project as well. Um, and I think that's something that we could certainly improve on across the sector of sharing the good news stories. Um, equally looking at those links, it doesn't have to be something that's exactly the same because even though authorities are dealing with the same issues, they're in different circumstances, they're in different regions, they're different types of authorities, they've got different political um, leaders, etc. And there's an element of taking um, aspects of lessons, aspects of um, what's worked well in other places and looking to see how can I bring that into my authority, into my project, into my um, department. And then also where it works, how can I spread that word? How can I spread that message Um, so that others can benefit from it? Um, quite a lot of um opportunity for people to sit there and think hang on I am the only person that's dealing with this issue how do I start it is that whole blank pa- um, sheet of paper issue which I personally find an absolute nightmare if I have a blank sheet and paper in front of me it's it just gives me massive anxiety but actually in the real world um the chances of you being the only person that's dealt with that issue is really, really slim. So it's developing those collaborations. It's making the most of, of every opportunity you've got, whether it's uh, webinars, forums, it's reaching out, it's using the likes of LinkedIn. It's There's a lot of forums out there. And also, if you can't find something, um, then actually creating your own. So like I said, I've got a, um, a PFI background and um there's groups of authorities that all know they've got projects of a similar age of a similar type different contractors but they're going through um similar processes so actually they reach out to each other and there's this fantastic network Which involves, you know, even the basics of a a few emails going, I've got this process coming up. How did everybody deal with it? Uh, What are the pitfalls that I should avoid? But equally, what are the tactics um, that I should have, you know, under my belt? Um, And then, you know, I'll I'll pass the knowledge on if something works for me that others haven't tried. Um, Certainly looking at delivery partners and rather than just seeing them as delivery providers, delivery partners, thinking, well, actually, what can we learn as the public sector from those providers? Um, How can we enhance our skill set so that when we're looking for something else, we're coming up as a more intelligent client? We are um, developing our own internal capabilities and becoming more efficient um, and using the knowledge that we're we're gaining from, um, from private sector as well.
0: What do you think are the main challenges or maybe reservations that individuals have with collaboration? For myself, it always sometimes is is confidence. You know, you don't want to be seen to be the the, the person that knows the least on that topic in your peer group. Do you th- what other things do you think there are that kind of account for that almost, not a reservation to engage, but the lack of engagement that we see across the sector sometimes between peers?
1: I think quite often it's the not, go- not knowing who to go to. So at a chief exec level from a local authority, um, there are Forums, there's networks, there's there's a lot of you know the chief execs reach out to each other, they know each other. Um, at the director level, there's similar um, forums. At the officer level, probably less so. And by that, you can have forums set up, but actually, if they're not, uh, if there's not the regular communication, then it might be that somebody's moved on and they may be um, critical to that to that discussion, to that um, to that conversation. Um, There is an element within local government of who do you know and where where do you know them from? Um, People do, however, move around. So that enables you to um, develop your network quite quickly um, and continue a conversation on with potentially other stakeholders from a different organisation as somebody moves. Um, But I think a key kind of a, a quick win is making yourself known within your local authorities is a starting point um quite often when we go in and work on projects we'll be working in one area of an authority and actually um because of work that we're doing we'll introduce them to um a different project or a different team within another area dealing with diff- this similar issues and It's as though those two areas haven't necessarily been talking to each other, or they've been talking at a very high level, rather than actually how can we work through this together? Um, Wanting to get the same thing for the authority, you know, best outcome, but um, on two completely different projects. Um, Also, I think from a local government perspective, make use of central government. Um, the likes of the departments, you know, depending on the project you've got, whether it's a sponsoring department such as DFE or DEFRA or whether it's DLUC, um, local government association as well, you know, make use of the resources they've got and ask people if you've got an issue you're dealing with or if you've got something that's coming up and you just want to kind of touch base with someone, have a bit of a, a friendly chat with someone about, you know, what, what can I do? What, how can I um, develop this? How can I improve this? Then um, reach out to people and see who do they know, who can they introduce you to. Um, it's a bit of a matchmaking um, <laughs> kind of effort in some instances, but actually, you may not know the individual, or you may not know um, somebody to speak to, but chances are someone you know will do, or they'll know someone who knows someone that will do. Um, I've been astounded by the local government network. Um, in my time at, at local partnerships of who knows who how quickly you can get an answer um, either to a question or you can get somebody's name who will be more than willing to to give you a few minutes of their time um, and get um, and get someone to be able to help you with an issue
0: I'm surprised the central I mean again I, I'm just just latching on to what you said there around if there is not information available for you to create your own and to share that and to make kind of to publicize it but that there's not like a central centrally stored data forum whereby you could almost search for you know a bit like Reddit or, or Google as it were but for local government um one of the things I saw because I set up a WhatsApp group for different heads of and I guess there's obviously sometimes the reservation because in my day job obviously I recruiter, but you know that was used interesting enough significantly by heads of planning and they to this day still use it just like I don't talk on it at all it's just for them to collaborate and to, to communicate but other departments were i think slightly more uh reserved but also what kind of struck me was how busy people were um and i get the fear sometimes that you know if they, they sometimes sort the answer out from you know outside of the organization the accountability fundamentally sat on them so i think there is obviously that still need, if there is collaboration for you to be able to sense check and almost that intelligent client, so that information that is coming through um that it is still obviously uh, relevant probably not the right word but you know still in line with you know it's still accurate and it's still the right direction um I mean in terms of your experience because I mean I, I'm just really keen to just to talk about that as well you've obviously worked in New Zealand yeah. you've worked in England private sector is there anything that you've seen that they do differently over there than what we could adopt over here in the UK
1: um firstly it's been quite a while since I've I've worked in New Zealand, um, so I'm sure things have moved on significantly. Um, The other thing to note is it's a much smaller um, country, you know, much smaller population. And so actually the setup in terms of local government, central government, very different. However, because it's smaller, so just by way of background, Um, Like I said before, I'm a PFI um, specialist, so I learnt my craft to some extent um, in England and then um, headed out to New Zealand for a few years to um, work on their PPPs as they were developing them, um, following on from um, the Christchurch earthquakes, where there was a massive infrastructure need, and they were looking at how to develop their infrastructure because there was, you know, so much so much to be um, delivered. And actually, as with so many um, public sector organizations, limited capital to deliver them. So they're looking at that PBB model Um, because it was new for them. They were taking what they could from where they could. And I say that quite kind of (laughs) crazily, but actually they weren't just taking it, changing the name on the front and then going, this is what we're doing. They were taking lots of options from um different countries. So they were taking, you know, they took UK guidance, they took Australasian guidance, they took from all across, you know, um different jurisdictions and thought, right, what's going to work for us here, as opposed to what has worked elsewhere or what hasn't worked elsewhere. They also um did a lot of engagement with private sector partners, other advisors. Um, other governments um, to really kind of establish what does a PPP program look like for us in that environment and I think there was a benefit of very established projects such as ones in the UK um, which actually by that point by the by the time I went to New Zealand were 2011 so very much into the coalition government at the time and so PFI was um at the point of the last few contracts really um, coming to financial close and we're in operational stage, we're in you know, construction, operational and now obviously, you know, fast forward quite a few years, we're in the looking to um, contract expiry um, stage of, of projects. Whereas at that point in New Zealand, they were very much looking at well, what's going to work for us and why is it going to work for us and what do we need and what's our setup? up in terms of local and central delivery and who are our stakeholders and how do we get our stakeholders across the line and even as as recent so a few weeks ago i've been supporting um, the fcdo on some conversations with overseas territories who are looking at um delivering ppp projects and they're looking at well delivering infrastructure actually let's let's take it a step back they're looking at delivering infrastructure projects of which ppp may be an option And they're looking at how do we get the best collaboration between public and private sector? How do we make it work for both parties? Because ultimately, out of any collaboration you want it to work for both parties, you can't have it working for one and not for the other, because it means that either from a public sector perspective, you don't get what you need. And I stress the word need because it's not actually what you want, it's what you need. Um, But from the private sector perspective, if you're not rewarded for that, you haven't got the ability to be able to deliver it. So it needs to be um, a viable solution. Otherwise, it might be exactly what public sector want. But if the private sector can't provide it, then it's just not going to happen. Um, so it's, it's really understanding what's wanted, what's needed, how can it be delivered, who can deliver it, over what types of um, contractual mechanisms, over what types of delivery mechanisms, Um, the way in which services are provided has changed massively. But actually, in some contracts, um, you'd probably think nothing's changed at all. Um, I don't want to go down the AI route, because firstly, I know very little about it. But also, you know, technology moves on so quickly, apart from when it comes to us trying to set up a a podcast recording and Wi-Fi issues. But, um, you know, technology does move on so quickly that actually. It's looking at what is the here and now and what do we want for the future in as far as you can see the future rather than necessarily major long term contracts and signing into something specific. Um, And then actually, who are the best partners to um, to be involved in? that. Not discounting local organisations by any means, not discounting um, smaller organisations, you know, they have a lot of um, knowledge, a lot of um, innovation that can be incorporated into projects and incorporated into the delivery, and really becoming true partners, um, as opposed to this is how we provide something, this is how we'll do something and sign on the dotted line, which doesn't really work for anybody.
0: So in terms of that, again, I just I, I, we've, we've covered, obviously, public to public. We talked about yeah. kind of private and public collaboration. If you were to summarise in kind of in, with three points, what are the three critical elements to successful collaboration?
1: Firstly, without a doubt, make sure that everybody knows each other's expectations. Where it goes wrong is where someone has a different expectation. One party, however many parties there are involved, one party has different expectations of somebody else. And you you can't really, it's difficult to get over that. It's difficult to get through that. Um, Ensure that actually, and I suppose it it links to the first one, but ensure that actually every party knows what they're responsible for and does it. I do hear lots of, well, this is a partnership, so you've got to, you know, give and take. And actually, quite often, there's the expectation of giving more than taking. It should be a fair balance. Um, but fundamentally, before you do any of that, make sure you know what it is you actually need and do that research, do that basis of establishing this is how I want to deliver it. This is, this is how it will be provided. This is how we as a local authority are going to go down a certain route for a specific type of project. And this is right because we've got that um, up-to-date information to say, this is, this is the best solution for us within the constraints that we've got. Um, so many times people go in with preconceived ideas of, we need this outcome. This is how it's going to be delivered. Well, how do you know that's right? Oh, because somebody's told us it's right. No, you've got to go back to basics to understand, actually, work out, is this the right solution? If you get the basics right and you keep returning back to those basics to make sure things haven't changed. You know, lots of projects over the last few years have, um, they were started 2019, whatever, you know, people deciding what they needed. Then the world changed. And now they're having to revisit them going, well, that's what we wanted a few years ago. But what do we need now? Um, to keep revisiting those until you um, ensure that you get the right solution. Um, And like I said before, you know, engaging all the stakeholders to make sure that that is actually viable and deliverable.
0: That is absolutely fantastic. And I think for anybody listening who's considering they have a problem they're trying to overcome or if they're trying to drive efficiencies, as you can see here today, collaboration is absolutely a critical component of driving that forward. We've been so lucky today to have Rosie Pearson here with us today to discuss collaboration and essentially that is the critical component to driving forward successful engagements whether that be with other councils whether it be with private sector organisations or whether it be kind of ourselves reflecting on how we can drive forwards but Rosie Pearson Corporate Director of Local Partnership at LLP um, feel free to reach out Rosie directly if you have any questions around the work that she could do to support uh, your council of of course Um, she'll be tagged on this post but you've been listening to the truth about local government Rosie thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks Matt. If you've enjoyed it as always give it a like give it a share give it a five-star review and i look forward to bringing other interesting topics to you later in the week today's episode is sponsored by the uk leisure framework the uk's only dedicated leisure framework The UK Leisure Framework allows for the direct appointment of a development partner for scoping, design and construction of leisure, centres and sports facilities. The framework is available to all UK public sector organisations and has completed over 100 projects to date. For more information, visit leisureframework.co.uk.